Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode of Opening the Box of Knowledge. Richard Peterson. And I'm Kajung. This episode's really exciting. We have a good friend of yours. Kajung, do you want to? Yeah, you know, Yech Yatsin, Nicholas Galanin. Um, a lot of most people know him as as this prolific artist, right? It's just an amazing creative. Uh, the the way I got to know him was through music. Um, both of us are um, in uh, you know musicians and and been musicians for a long time. So I think the first time that we got a chance to to work together um, was was probably about uh, eighteen years ago or so. Wow. You know, uh, eighteen you know it's a long time. So we've been friends for. For many years, so I'm really, really excited to to uh, to have Yechiatsin Nicholas um, on this episode today. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I getting to know him in this conversation. I've been a big fan of his work, and you know, he's kind of hit that national level with his visual art and his and his music. So it's really exciting to get to know. Him. He really engages with community. Um, one of the my favorite is uh, him his engagement with youth, mm. and and we have that coming up very soon. Yeah, you're going to be able to. Uh, First Alaskans Institute has their Elders and Youth Conference coming up here towards the end of the month, and yeah, Anchorage we're coming up to it in October, and so exciting, and it rolls right into Alaska Federation of Natives annual convention. And now are you going to be at uh, Elders Youth, AFN? I'm going to make it up uh, for AFN. Unfortunately, my schedule doesn't allow for elders and youth, but we have a lot of folks going to be there. Well, I'll be there. Awesome. I'll, I'll help represent. Yeah. Represent, <laughs> brother. Um, I'm on the board of directors for AFN, so really got to make that a priority. You know, it's what we call like a native new year yeah. here in Alaska, right? And to have it in person? Yeah. Oh, man. Oof. This is going to be the first time, what, three years? It's, it's been so long. It feels like forever. Yeah. So it, it'll be good. Maybe we'll even knock out a few episodes up there. Let's do it. All right, brother. Sam, you coming? I will be traveling during that time, well, unfortunately. Well, but I can tie in remote, I hope. Well, we got Zoom. Yeah. We got All Zoom. right. <laughs> this is definitely not endorsements for Zoom, <laughs> but we have it. Yeah. All right. Let's hear our conversation with Nicholas. Let's do this. Let's go, Dave. Well, welcome back to Opening the Box of Knowledge. I'm Chakya Ish, uh, Richard Peterson, and with me is... Kajung. Good to see you all. Good to or see hear you, you, brother. Uh, this week, we're really excited to have with us Giel Hyatsin, uh, Nicholas Galanin, an amazing artist. Uh, I don't think you can nail him down to one kind of art, right? No, it's, not at all. Kind it's, of all, all over music, visual, carving. So welcome, Yelf Yatsin. Good to see you. Great to be here. So to see all. each episode, we really try to talk to folks who are just doing kind of really cool things out there. You've had a pretty uh, cool couple of years as far as being out in the public eye, right? Because... I think it was uh, the NPR, uh, what is that called? Broken Death or Little Death? Tiny Death Concerts, Tiny Death. yeah. God, yeah, so what, what's that and what was that all about? Uh, yeah, it's been good, man. Busy. A lot of, a lot of uh, like a really full plate, but grateful for everything and all the work, especially the music stuff. That was, you know, I've got a project called Yet Seen and we've recorded a record. Uh, over the last few years, and Sub Pop Records out of Seattle uh, signed us, and we released that last April. So you know, this NPR was part of part of that. It was, um, you know, Jung was out there, came out yeah. with that, for us with that, and oh, that was a fun, that was a fun day. It was, you know, it was a dream. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't, I never thought we'd be doing NPR, Tiny Desk concert. I know, Tiny, but, it's, a, it's a huge thing. Yeah, we got to do it. We got to do it here at the community house in Sitka, Chica Kwan. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, everything's connected, man. 
That's that's really cool. Yeah, I, I caught that, and that's what kind of brought your music to my attention. You know, your name had been kind of synonymous with jewelry and art and things like that, and I knew who you were from that, but I had no idea you were a musician, and, and that's really a passion of yours, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't separate them, but I also don't try to, like, compact them all for everybody to, like, understand or see, so I feel like you know, when it comes your way, it's time for it too. That's great. Yeah. This, you know, um, we, it's so true. He's that we, there's several artists, I think that I know that, are, that kind of cross and trans across, you know, uh, artistic practice, you know, you're one that, you know, with the music and, and, and your art being, you know, in, mu in museums and your gallery work. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, there's another Thinkit artist who is also the first love, first passion music, but, but known as, you know, this prolific glass artist, you know, with, with Preston Singletary. It's like, so it's like the, you know, that, the idea of like, um, not, you know, um, trying to, to, to define it to, for, for people like you're saying is like, it's one or the other. It's not that it's, it's you, you as an artist. I mean, he tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what drives you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was trained customarily in my community with wood carving. That was my very first, uh, you know, apprenticeship and stuff. And then that went to jewelry after that. And, you know, uh, as I said, everything's connected. That the Sheikah Kwan community house screen in the backdrop was one of my first apprenticeship projects on large scale with my uncle, Will Burkhart. You know, we carved that screen inside in, you know, the 90s uh, before I went off to school, um, before I started studying and doing this other visual work and learning to develop the visual language. Um, but music's always been there. Like it's always been a part of it. Mm -hmm. It's always been a, a world that I real, realized its power, recognize its importance. Uh, it's been a part of my daily life, you know, passed on from my father, uh, who, you know, as a child taught me a love and appreciation for music that I understood and recognized immediately that it was a, clearly important, you know? So, um, and I, I still find that in the process, you know, of the power of it, what music can be. So, Yeah, you know, visual art, I think, is one thing. And music is another where you can express yourself and kind of just put your thoughts and your everything out there for, you know, I think it's anybody can consume it and digest it and get out of it what they will. Mm. But, you know, it's really the artist putting out their soul. I mean, I think in a lot of ways. Mm, absolutely. You know, one of my favorite things that, you know, you've, we've known each other for a long time. I think our first time we ever met was was in Sitka at Mount Edgecombe. Um and uh, with the founders, with the founders week and um, you had performed the night before and then we were performing the, the night we were back to kind of back to back. And we just kind of hit it off right off the bat. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been an amazing friendship and this yeah, journey uh, of creating art together and creating music together. You know, and I think one of my favorite um, moments with you was working with those with those those kids um, in Edgecombe and we brought the little studio and we had them creating music. And, uh, it was, it was just so, it was such a fun, joyous time to just like see these kids shine and like their faces light up when, when they were hearing themselves back and we were making some really amazing stuff. Yeah, that was, that was first light. That was a first light the workshop. First light. And, uh, yeah, music does that, man. I feel like, and and I feel like we were doing it in a way where it wasn't necessarily traditional music teachings, uh, and 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 you know, um, any anyway, even like trained classical style music or whatever. whatever. We were doing this like here. You could do, this. You could, yeah. You, you do all this. have stories. You all have voices. You all can like you know, put this down. And people were the kids were loving it, man. And that's what I love about music. So. 
Yeah, no, that's it's it was so surprising because you just like you never know who's gonna just gonna come out, right? Like yeah. you, you think you you think you know, like you're just like these group of kids, and you're like, Oh yeah, this kid's gonna shine. But then there was that kid <laughs> that, that, I think that the kid was named like Cheeseburger or something like that. Cheeseburger. Remember yeah. Cheeseburger? Oh yeah. my goodness. And he just like just just dropped it. And I was just like, Oh my god. And I was not expecting that to come from that young man, you know. I just thought that he was just like a shy little boy, you know, young boy, and he just he just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I appreciate those those moments with you can you tell us a little bit about um kind of your work with um with home skillet i mean you've done a lot there's I mean, it's just, just so yeah much sure work that, you've that done. was that was like 10 years uh it started when i would come home from like college our friends we would end up just on the beach having like beach jams like guitars fires and we just sing songs and whatever we're 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 just being together in that way and um it just grew but one day it was like all right we're gonna do this we're gonna you know we had an unofficial home skillet at a beach where my brother's band performed and people loved it sika is not on the radar for certain types of music you know we get currently and we for like a very long time since, you know, we're so far off the path of touring musicians and that sort, we have a jazz festival, a jazz festival, or a classical music fest, and these other things that don't really represent uh, aspects of youth uh, culture, I suppose, and different. And, and Home Skillet Fest was that. It was like, all right, well, we, we live in these places where we have to build things if we don't have it, you know. And that was what we, that's what I was set out to build was a community surrounded by, you know, bringing in artists, artists that we are relevant to our experience. And, um, we, we did that for 10 years. It was a lot of work. I'm, I loved it, but I'm not, I'm not a, I can't keep doing that. It wasn't paid work. I was doing it for, just for the love of it, man. Like we weren't making money. I wasn't doing it for a job. And I realized once I put an end to it, because it was so much work, I realized how much, like, about that time, I really just put all my work back into, like, my visual art and these other things. And it, and that's, again, I, it was a time in my career where I needed to make room for that. So, so you use your uh, visual art kind of to be an advocate, too, right? Uh, I noticed you have a piece in Palm Springs. Can you yeah, that that, that work that? is not up anymore. That was uh, up for the duration of a biennial. So the Desert X Biennial, which is the land uh, uh, land art biennial. And if you look at the canon of land art in general, even today, you know, the biggest thing that I've always noticed that's missing from that conversation is, you know, our communities, uh, understandings, perspectives, connections to land like unironically and, and it's always these white men or, you know, um, <clears throat> doing this kind of, kind of maintaining and controlling this canon of land art in a certain context. And so for me, the work and being invited as an artist to do a piece, um, I went out and did some research to Palm Springs, which is Agua Caliente, uh, Cujia, um, territory indian reservation um and i noticed the narrative the chosen narrative i you know i noticed this a lot uh, oftentimes is like communities and their chosen narratives and histories that they decide to you know focus on or accentuate and oftentimes it's our communities that are you know removed from that purposefully um, and Palm Springs, there's a big Hollywood narrative of this is where the stars of Bob Hope and whatever came to, uh, escape Hollywood and play in this playground of, you know, Palm Springs. So linking that to Hollywood sign, Hollywood land sign was a white only real estate advertisement. That's why it was originally erected to advertise land for segregated neighborhoods. And um, uh, of course, land was removed and it became this iconic uh, symbol 
of industry and of American dream, Hollywood, you know, what does Hollywood represent? Oftentimes not us. And if it does, how does it represent us? Historically, it's done so in very, uh, you know, Western, whatever, whatever stereotypical ways. All of that in mind, the work that I developed for this was like my first idea I landed on. And, you know, I exhausted several ideas after that, but I kept coming back to this piece and it was to replicate that signage out there. Uh, and the title of the works, Never Forget, the text is Indian Land mm-hmm. in that same scale of Hollywood signage. Um, but that was not necessarily the work. The work was the call to action. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, I think it's hard for people to get over the hurdle of something that grand uh, physically to like continue digging beyond that. And it, um, I anticipated it as being uh, demonstrative of a selfie machine of sorts of, you know, yeah. infiltrating these algorithms and these people doing it themselves with hashtag. Right. Um, and the call to action was to, you know, either contribute to something that I'd set up with a local uh, land conservancy uh, that indigenous ran uh, land conservancy that buys and tries to get legal title over sacred lands for, you know, future care, indigenous care. And so, you know, we raised, I forget how much we raised. We raised over 50,000 or something, which is not, you know, if every selfie gave a dollar, we would have had a lot more than that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's the reality of these times. And I feel like this work was, you know, part of revealing that in a sense. And, um, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was a major project. It took three years of, of like you know when i first submitted the idea and work we delayed it two years so it was like three years a little over three years in the making of of trying to realize it so yeah it was pretty awesome to see you know on social media yeah you know palm springs actually the aqua caliente uh caliente how we say yeah um you know, they host a lot of conferences there. So a lot of people I know were at conferences and they'd all do their selfies there. And, you know, I never got to see it in person. I was pretty bummed about that. So I'm really sad to hear it's not still up. Yeah, it might. It can go up again somewhere and that's an option still. So the idea I, I, hope, I hope it does. A, a work like that can travel. Like, it, yeah, you know, this is all indigenous land. Right. So we, right. we could put that anywhere and it's fairly relevant it's, in the sense. It's. It's still a topic of conversation, you know, except, you know, well, when people know that, you know, when the, that we know each other and like, yeah. um, it's, it's always one of those things that are brought up that, you know, it's like, God, I wish that, you know, I wish that sign was still up, you know. Did you it, watch it, the last season of Reserva- uh, Reservation Dogs? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. On the last, the last, ep- did you watch the last episode? Yeah. Yeah. On the map. They, yeah. It was on the map there, man. I couldn't believe it. I, yeah. I'm friends with Sterling. And I sent him a photo. I was like, oh, my God. I text him. I was like, this, <laughs> it, was, it, blew, it blew my mind. The entry of that into pop culture now, I suppose, was was amazing to see. So. Well, what are you thinking about this pop culture explosion that's just happening? Uh, done, done like it's been done. I love it. It was a representation of you know, something like reservation dogs. And I've told this to Sterling. I was like, this is timeless, timeless work that is representative of, of, you know, an era for our, a lot of our, uh, you know, voices and creative works that are happening. So I feel like I love seeing that when it's done like that too, done well, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Well, it's so declarative too, right? Like, um, I feel like it's kind of like I'm native, hear me roar right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the best way possible. I think it's, we, we had Bobby Wilson on and we talked about how Sterling's using this and and they're lifting other native artists. You know, like you said, your, your piece is now forever ingrained on that. And the music. Yeah. Well. And music too. And yeah. Music. We've done a few songs in there and yeah. yeah. So that's an amazing thing. I think 
when you can use your art to put yourself and, and your ideas forward, but then also pull others along and give them those same opportunities and platforms, you know, I think for so long, I've seen where it's almost been doggy dog. You you couldn't uh, have your sure. star shine. That if, still happens in a lot of the creative space. I feel like, but it's I don't feel like I feel like it. Yeah, as you say and pointing out, Reservation Dogs doing such a great job at that. And I feel like I feel like our ways in general in this continuum are are to uplift each other in certain ways. So like the, the work I do in like this, this Kui or this uh, Kutia carving in Sitka, that work is, you know, it's a similar, similar situation. When you have apprentices, you give them all, everything you can knowledge wise and opportunity. And, and, and I feel like that is a representation culturally of, of that versus that, dog eat dog mentality or scarcity mindset mm-hmm. that that some people fall into it's competitive yeah, yeah. It, it's almost worse than competitive you know competitive you can still rise together and and want to succeed but be driven by you know steve succeeding might make you want to succeed I think it's been really detrimental. I've talked mm-hmm. to artists and I'll be like, Hey, have you seen what so-and-so is doing? And then they just attack mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. And it's refreshing to see our people lifting each other up, Yeah, you know, all these different mediums and rather than being critical of what they're doing or they're not doing this or they're doing that. It's like, Hey, check out what so and it's very much one of the foundations of why we're doing this. Right. I mean, yeah. we're here to, you know, just to uplift and, and, and put a spotlight and shine on the, on the dope stuff that people are doing. Right. Like, well, uh, you, you'd mentioned Preston Singletary and, you know, he seems to have a pretty collaborative mindset with his music and bringing up, you know, like guys like Arius Hoyle, Air mm-hmm. Jazz and, you know, do you uh, collaborate with other folks quite a bit, like you did with Steve? And yeah, I think a lot of collaboration happens musically, especially um, artistically. It happens in a lot of different ways. A lot of the larger projects are definitely collaborative. So this, like this, um, Yawk we recently carved was with uh, Lee Burkhart, who's and he's my cousin, but an apprentice, and then my uncle Will Burkhart, who's been my mentor um, for forever. Um, yeah, there's different modes and forms of it. Creative collaboration in the visual art world too is always very specific and different. I feel like than music collaboration, and music collaboration tends to become a um, the way we've been doing this is like I have a studio out here and you know, we'll do sessions and we're about to start these new recording sessions for the next yet scene record, uh, which is just putting a bug in Kachun's ear because yeah. we need to, but what ends up happening is, is we have, you know, some artists come to town and, and we spend a, a weekend or a week in the studio, just capturing. Uh, and it's, yeah, I can't really explain or anticipate it's, what's going to come from it. You just open Yeah, this. no, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> agree, <laughs> I'm agreeing with you on that. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it was refreshing working with you and 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 uh, and Zach and, and, I mean, OC and Blood. And I mean, like the whole, that whole crew when we were, we, we just got into the studio and we just started just hanging out. Sometimes it was just one of us in the studio. Sometimes it was all of us, but we just kind of all just chipped in and let it happen kind of organically and, and just made some really amazing music. And it was refreshing for me because like, you know, I've been making music for a long time, you know, with, with, with bum you and our, our process was, is a lot, it's different. And so it was really nice to be in, in a studio and creating from, from just a seed from the, you know, cause our, our way is like often I come up with an idea or Phil will come up with an idea or Aussie will come up with an idea and we propose it and we, and it's almost fully baked out, you know, yeah. not much room for like, you know, like for it to, you know, move and, and, and to, to, to evolve. Um, so it was great to be from the, from the ground up and just 
seeing where it goes. It was really refreshing. Yeah. And that's just the first step and phase. After that, we have the chop block. Oh, yeah. Add things, take away, heavy edits, bring new people in again. Like, it gets real, like, yeah. But it's, um, I realize music, like, uh, like any of these things that we create or put ourselves out into, like, is... But especially music, music and like carving, like wood carving or jewelry carving and stuff is uh, you have to be in a good mind frame and that energy that you have or bring to that, to that process mm. is, is like what gets left or built from, from that. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm really aware of that and all of these processes of some of these things. So, and when you have that, it's enjoyable. The joy of, di- yeah. of doing it, like, like a, it washes over you sometimes. So, yeah. so are you able to do some of these things simultaneously or do you have to be in the headspace or no, I'm doing music right now or no, I'm doing this totem pole right now. I, I do them simultaneously, but it, uh, you know, it depends at what it depends at like, what level and what direct amount of focus. Cause I do recognize that I need, there's big gears that shift sometimes. So before a totem project, I'll, I'll recognize that in my mind, I be, I'll think differently in the process and, you know, almost dream about it, literally preparing like your body and mind. Like I'll have totem dreams before a totem project. Um, or to venture down some of the the contemporary conceptual artwork that I make. I have to also, you know, uh, sit with my thoughts differently in that space. And that's for me as a exercise of remaining like no expectations and being open to any possibility in a sense. And, and that's, um, that means abandoning ideas along the way that I get stuck on. It means like, you know, reading lots of different books and reading like just lots of different like research and information and stuff. That's a big part of that process and listening sometimes or, or just being on the land and not trying to see something uh, for a creative project. And then it comes to you in that sense. So a lot of different ways, I think, but yeah. So you wrapped up a big canoe project, a yacht. That's, to me, that's really fascinating because I, I grew up in Kisan, uh, Haida Village, and, you know, canoes were such a strong part of our history. And I, I have a real visual that's in my head all the time. And there's this historic photo of Kisan, and the beach is just lined with canoes. Mm-hmm. You know, we had so many canoes, they were just kind of almost disregarded, you know, where now one would be so sacred, right? So, yeah, yeah, they were, you know, important as important to our our livelihood and our communities, right? Like, if you if you think about how how far we navigated and traded and even subsi- like I hate the word subsist, you know, uh, even you know, sustain ourselves in this abundant space was through those like those vessels and and. They were developed that technology over time because of our location and our, our resources, I suppose. And our, uh, for me as a carver, early on when I was a student, I'm always a student still. I was, but when I was first starting as a student, uh, I recognized this respect for those that you know I'd always dreamt of being able to participate in creating them and understanding them and as simple as they might look and form, they're like the most technical and necessary utilitarian like types of, uh, process of, you know, you're, you're engineering something literally that's going to carry people. Um, so I feel like that understanding, I'm just grateful to be able to participate in now still, you know, so yeah, you mentioned technology and, you know, they were designed and engineered for need and purpose, right? Like no canoes were exactly the same because they continued to 
go after, you know, one could be for ocean travel, one could be just for going out in front of the village, one could be, you mm -hmm. know, for a lot of different mm -hmm. uses. So as a carver, do you do you kind of like guitars? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. See my these guitars behind you right now. This one, this one. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But you know, I I wonder this, and I mean no disrespect by the question, but is it a matter of just replication, or is it you know trying to understand those different you know engineering needs? I think there's. I think there's. I mean, I think the process is. The process is both in a sense for for generations now i suppose and you know for our training and understanding of this cultural visual language we have to under we have to you know look at how that language has developed over time and look at some of those some of those styles and works whether it's sculptural work or technical work like uh canoe i suppose as um, things have been done for reasons and, and to understand those reasons, I think you have to really, you know, do it. And there's not a lot of canoe makers that are doing as much as say Wayne Price right now. And, um, uh, and Wayne has knowledge that comes from experience, you know? Uh, so down the line of these things, yeah, you can understand and, and get there. But I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm starting out in that space with yeah. only only worked on two canoes and and led one. Uh, so it's it's yeah. There's a lot of our time is limited to do so much here. Yeah, well, that's and, and, this interesting. I mean, bringing up Wayne Price and 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 his work. That I was I was actually going to just ask the question: Where where are we in the state of this practice? Like. Check on the smokehouse real quick. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, <right>. so <laughs> you so native, bro. Uh, <laughs> that's what I love about this. Um, so I, I was just saying, where are we in the state of this practice of this art? You know, uh, you know, we thinking about the different artistic practices out there and where we are with how many people are, you know, are, are actually practicing it. I don't know if I like. I don't know if we can ever understand that, and while we're here as far as like, like being part of it is clearly as somebody who looks back at it mm -hmm. generations from now, I suppose. So if we looked at timeframes of, of say this particular cultural continuum, you know, my great grandfather, George Benson was creating carvings in an era where carving was not necessary, where it was, you know, where our language was being removed, our land, our communities, our children, our our objects were being placed in, uh, our were placed already into these institutions and collections. So to continue that creating of that reflected in the work very clearly, you know, um, the the differences of of what was not being access accessible to those makers at that time. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to now, I suppose, where we're, uh, we're definitely in a different era. I don't know what it is, but we're, yeah, we always will be, right? We're moving. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, I, I had somebody tell me one time that, you know, traditionally you wouldn't have had all the multi-disciplines per person. Like a, a person would be only good at this. And, that's, yeah. and they were dedicated to only this. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't carve a totem and a canoe. You would only be a canoe maker. Yeah. Is that, I, do you think that's true or? or and I mean, I, I'm sure if it, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it probably has a lot of truth to it. We live in an economy now where we're, we've been like, uh, capital, capitalism and, and, and privatization of land and all these other aspects that impact our cultures and our our livelihoods we have to do a lot of things as artists now that that might not allow us to exist if we're just doing one thing only the whole time so mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like uh when i was coming up as uh artist 
out of school even and stuff was I had I had to make jewelry to fund my contemporary conceptual art ideas right to fund the materials for them uh and that and the, I knew I wasn't going to go back and do non-creative work so I you know you find a way you teach you're studying and trying to expand and do all of these things to exist um now I don't really have time to do jewelry it's Flipped. And I'm doing all this other work and rarely am I even sitting at the jeweler's bench because of mm-hmm. that, because of time. Love it. Uh, <laughs> that is awesome. You know, I actually want to step back a little bit. Um, and and it's, I think main, mainly because I was just really excited that we we're going to have this conversation with you. Um, but there is, I mean, I think there's some aspects of your art and your background um, of who you are that some people be really beneficial for people to hear that. Like I would love to hear your, um, your thoughts on how your cultural background really drives you and and your art and like, and who are you? Like, that's like your cultural, your cultural background. It's very, it's very diverse. Yeah. Um, you know, who I am culturally, like yeah, like, like yeah. Let's. I mean, know, we, 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 I think we 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 didn't have that that introduction. My name is yeah. oh yeah, you know, Nicholas Klein. Yeah, if you have seen, seen. I, I am, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I want to get quick. So yeah. Um, all right, I can introduce myself. I guess if you want. <laughs> that was uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> and and how yeah. that really drives you because it's I think yeah, yeah. I mean what what what's that narrative that 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 drives drives you know your, like your... like like his, historically like uh so let me just do my clink introduction real quick yeah he had seen you had do a sock click my hadi had city kaguantan yadi ayahat shikakwan um yeah he had seen Nicholas Galanin uh child of kaguantan um Raven Coho, uh, based in Sick, Alaska. I'm also, uh, Unanga from my father's side. Um, and, um, and then my mother's side is mixed, <laughs> but, um, uh, of all sorts. And, um, you know, I was born here in Sitka. I was raised all over, moved all around a lot of different places with my brothers and my mom, came back to Sitka and like, uh, middle school and was here to, to complete my education from that time. So, but during that time, I was aware of my father's cultural work always with his, he was, uh, Kinda, Dave Galan, and, um, was my father and he'd, you know, was a jeweler and a musician, a uh, sculptor and my mentor for a long time, you know, and, um, always encouraging and, um, I have, I think, third and fourth grade drawings of, that I did as a child while I was studying in like Federal Way or Seattle area where I would be doing like coastal form line designs, like trying to draw totem poles and, and ravens or eagles or, and, and that, that was always just a part of, you know, understanding my culture and language and identities. Um, that I carried and continued until, you know, I think I was 18 when I really started formally training. So, um, training with Louis Menard, Wayne Price, my uncle Will Burkhart, Jay Miller, just everybody and anybody that would work with me. Um, so I guess that's kind of a quick run through some of that. Kriana mm. for that. That's, I mean, it's so, for us to know each other, I mean, yeah, in and discover like that's for for us. That's one of the reasons why we do this. You know, there's so many reasons why we're doing this, but like one is just for people just to get to know a, something maybe a little bit different than than <laughs> what they what they perceive. Yeah, it's fun to have these conversations. You know, talking about who we are, where we're from. Yeah. Uh, finding out that we have so much commonality more often than not has been, yeah. we've only done a, we've recorded probably eight or nine episodes now of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've released four 
really like seven with the first one having three yeah, parts. Three parts. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just it's like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> learning, <laughs> learning so much about each other. And it's really cool. Um, we've had some diverse conversations with everybody, but, you know, we're all kind of the same people, you know, yeah. we have, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I haven't chimed in on, you know, uh, I'm Cogwanton from the Eagle's Nest house and Sitka born and raised in Ketchikan and, uh, Kisan really. Mm. I wasn't born there, but I pretty much say I was cause yeah. from, from a baby. It's my father's house, Eagle's Nest house. Yeah. Oh, okay. So see, I there mean, you go. Th- those ties and that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And also you guys were talking about founders week and I was like, Holy crap. They didn't have such cool founders week when I was at edge <laughs> Like, yeah, no, it sounds like they're doing really cool things with uh, concerts and everything. One of my biggest thrills was a couple years ago, pre pandemic going back, uh, to speak as an alumni at Founders Week was a big deal for me. Edgecombe was just a foundational piece. And, you know, I'm almost afraid to admit that now with all the residential school talk. And and I certainly understand it because even though I went at a different time, mm-hmm. it still had those kind of effects, you know, being separated from the village, what that yeah. meant for me, what it meant for my family in the village, you right. know. But uh, yeah, but even just, I think even our education systems at a certain point, you know, in terms of like what, what how much that impacts our our ability to exist culturally in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I consider myself blessed because I grew up in the village, so. You know, we were even joking this morning, you can take the village, you're the boy out of the village, you can't take the village out of the boy, right? <laughs> and so I, I have a very strong foundation there, but definitely skewed by going to boarding school and and some of that. But uh, I don't know, it, it's fun to hear what dr- drives you, you know, honestly, I I follow you, like we mentioned earlier, kind of both follow each other on uh, Instagram, social media. I'm really inspired. Like, I I don't know you. I don't know you well, but I see your art. I was up at the Anchorage Museum and I saw one of your pieces there and it just captivated me and pulled me in. And, you know, it was, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like the TV uh, oh yeah, white noise American prayer road. Yeah, it's work, and it resonated with me for some reason because I feel like as a society we've really been just co-opted by that white noise. So, yeah, well, even the, I guess the idea of whiteness and how it's utilized to to remove um, many things. How it's neutral, used to neutralize. Um, yeah. Our, our people, our voices, our our identities, whatever you know. So. It's funny because it's now it's used like in political correctness. Because I had somebody recently told me, "Well, I don't see color," <laughs> and I said, well, that's, that's, "That's a really sad view," <laughs> you know. And and they were saying it was like this political with, correct pride. Yeah, with pride, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, no, it's our it's our diverseness that makes us all so unique and beautiful. Right. Yeah. But we're afraid to even admit that in this day and age. Right. And I'm like, no, man, I'm pretty proud of who I am and I'm pretty unapologetic about it. So don't apologize to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the the diversity within just each one of us. Right. Right. You know, Oh, absolutely. And listening to Nick say who he was, that's who I am. You know, I've got Klinkit, Haida, Nungan, Simpson, a whole lot of Norwegian, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, you got any black in you? No. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I even got Supiak in my family tree on my side. Oh, so. we might be cousins then. Huh? Might be, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that the the totem pole you're working on. What's 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 happening right now? What's what's you got? This is uh, okay. This so this the 
the 25 foot totem for, uh, you know, see Alaska, um, kind of organizing and brought this, these projects together, I think with help of Mellon foundation for new American monuments fund or something, which I love to see utilized in our, in this way, um, for our community. And right now there's 10 totems being carved and this is one of them. So, you know, for me, it's a high honor to participate. Um, and to be, you know, here to be able to right now, uh, I'm working on a Kaguantan pole, which is, uh, the, the imagery that's being represented on the, on the totem. Um, again, also personally very, uh, I think the timing of it and the importance of it for me too is since my father recently walked in the forest, you know, it was Kaguantan. It was, you know, there's, there's a part of that for me that's, uh, you know, honoring him and his clan. And, uh, but it was the, the works being, um, projects being put together by Sea Alaska Heritage. And the goal is to get 30 of these totems up in Juneau. Um, for totem walk sorts and um my understanding is that you know we have 10 of these being carved right now across southeast by several artists and i love to see that yeah i love to understand that in all of these spaces uh, you know when we carve a totem we're not just carving a you know we're not just in a little vacuum doing this we're uh showing up daily with uh, apprentices and maybe students or visitors and, and stories and other things happen around that in all these communities. And the polyrhythm of all of the ads is going continually is happening. And, and so there's, a, there's a lot more that's going on, I think. And, and I love it. I love to under, I love to know what's happening. I don't know if the scale of a project and scope like this has happened. And, and sometimes since, Maybe recently was the sixties when the CCC carvers, CCC, I think those carvers were doing, you know, multiple carvings around Southeast. So that was, that was actually back in the thirties. Thirties. Okay. See ya. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of an expert on that. Here's Richard Dayton himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thirties. My time, my okay. time. <laughs> there, our first F bomb. On yeah, we got, we got to do it. Got to have our first yeah. one. So I, I grew up, I grew up in Kisan, which mm. the whale house and the totems had been revitalized. They were originally brought there in the 1800s from old Kisan by Chief Sunahat. And then revitalized in the 30s, mm. I think, by his son or grandson, James Peel. But it was funded by the Citizens Conservation Corps, which was kind of like the CARES Act of its time. So mm. it, you know, from Saxman, Wrangell, Sitka, you know, Kassan, they did these projects in other places, you know, so I know a lot about it. Um, we so were almost a hundred years. Yeah. And so I worked really hard wow. and was part of the team in Kassan to revitalize our whale house, which in 2017 was completed and had a huge celebration there, but it was a huge project. And um, so I just, I just know a lot. And then, being from Kisan and always proud of that lineage and, and the Haida, going to Mount Edgecombe and having the lineage from Sitka, a lot of the totems in the totem park are, were actually gifted from Chief Sunnyhat to the territorial governor, who was in the territorial government was seated in Sitka at the time. So again, I'm kind of a nerd for all this. No, thank you I for that it. information. Yeah, yeah I'm, I've, Anything past the seventies is a blur for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, unless I learned it from my elders or in a book, me too, because I'm not that old, Steve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're still in your thirties, right? No. Oh yeah. I wish. <laughs> hey, I'm still not the oldest man in the room. No, you're not. I got you beat by a few few years. <laughs> it's interesting for me becoming the elder in the room. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? What do they say? Reservation dogs and young elder. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, that that was one of the best scenes oh, ever. People declaring themselves elders. I'm like 46 years old. I'm a long ways from an elder. That's but 
I'm I'm learning to take care of the inner elder within me, bro. All right. Nicholas, there you <laughs> go. Not there how, you go. Right. how old are you? I don't I don't even know. I just turned 43. 43. Oh, we're almost and, same. I'm 46. Yeah. I'm guessing I'm, Sam's the baby in this room. Yeah. 32. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah, 32. we're almost the same, too. I'm, I'm only 50. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you guys are really stretching it here. We're not the same. <laughs> it's almost the same. It's almost the same. I got time, man. <laughs> oh well, this was awesome. No, I'm I'm really excited about the project that you're working on. I I, I don't know if this is the stupidest idea ever, but I think Sea Alaska Heritage should convene a Zoom of all of you guys and gals doing this carving right now. And yeah, you, you talked about, I don't remember what the word you used for the rhythm. Oh, poly, polyrhythm. So wouldn't it be cool to have a go live with everybody carving and hearing that Just sound? Like, yeah. All at the same well, time. I'd love to see it. Yeah. We'll because, sample that and put it in the, the next Yatsine album. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, I, I mentioned coming from Kassan and, and growing up with the totem poles. You know, I got to give Sea Alaska Heritage Institute their props and Rosita because, you know, through I keep saying this through pure force of will, she makes things happen. Yeah. And I think probably ruffles some feathers, but she gets it done. Yeah. And, you know, I moved to Juneau uh, when I became president of Clink and Haida and I went to a CBJ meeting and, you know, the CBJ actually has developed into a really great partner, but. A, a CBJ member at the time, you know, basically told me Juno was never a traditional place. And I said, well, that's weird because your building's on the old village site. And I said, <laughs> and there's pictures of it in mm -hmm. your building. And I think about that and I think representation really does matter. And I'm really excited to see these polls go up. I'm the revitalization that it's causing because, you know, you mentioned we're, we're in this age of needing to make money. And if you want to see artists um, develop and become the best, we've got to pay them. We've got to give yeah. them a way to make a living at it. And that's what's happening. So, you know, from villages like Cake to Sitka to Juno and, and beyond, you know, Heidelberg, you're seeing these projects and they're needed. And I think, Nick, isn't the plan for 30? 30, yeah. So um, so the I'm idea is, and my understanding is that the, some of the apprentices on this on these projects might be in a position, hopefully, to lead, you know, some of those beautiful later 30. So that's that to me. I love that. Our, our culture living, our, our continuum in motion, uh, all you know, people say these museums have preserved things and they wouldn't be here without us. That's all false. The pre preservation uh, isn't necessarily even a preservation in my eyes. It's more of, again, um, it's, it's, it's living, um, so living, changing culture that grows through, you know, these, these methods in a sense. And, and um, yeah. Well, it's, it's awesome to see the work you're doing, what you're doing to perpetuate the culture. And uh, I'm just filled with a tremendous gratitude to you and others doing it and, you know, declaring very proudly, you know, who we are and in these spaces of where we belong. So. And very visually. Yeah. yeah. Visibly. Yeah. Love it. I, got, I, I have a question. Got to ask your thoughts on Ock Rock. Ock Rock. Oh, man. Amazing. I love it. This is the third one coming up or no, second. It'll be the second. It's, yeah. It's the second, but there's been, there's been, the, we, we, the, we did the side stage this, this side summer. Stage, yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, when you told me about Ock Rock and what, what was happening with it, I'm thrilled to participate from an artist side, because I know how much work it is mm -hmm. on, on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, Oh my God, what a, what a big undertaking. But if someone can do it, I know, I know, I know you all can. And like, like, like you're doing it. So it's, uh, from the organizers standpoint and promoters and that sort of thing, 
it's a lot. It's a lot to put to navigate getting artists into a community, flying and putting them up, bringing people out to to like a space to share all of that. Um, that being said, man, you know we want to come back and rock rock a show at the Ock Rock. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> there's, I think... the, there's there's nothing like it and right happening right now and the thing that homeschool it wasn't from my standpoint was like the cultural perspective that you're bringing into this space of that so i think that's really beautiful um and what i mean by that is specific i suppose cultural specific in a sense. right no you're, you're you're so right i mean it's there's you know being in this field for so long and and having that understanding that there are there really isn't that space for, for us and yeah. our art and, um, as an indigenous artist, right. Yeah. Um, we're often just kind of put on the, the periphery of, of, of festivals, you know, yeah, besides our, stages. Our world, world music. Yeah. The world <laughs> music stage, which is off in the corner there. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, I think that, um, you know, the dream of Ock rock is, is, you know, it's absolutely attainable. And one of the things is that the community has come together um, to really make this uh, a reality. Um, and, and we wouldn't be able to do it without it, you know, because it is you you understand and you know what a Herculean like yeah. effort it is to to do a music festival, a multi-day un- music festival. Yeah. And and how hard that is, but I'm having you know, it's stress just, dreams already about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm triggering you. <laughs> I'm sure I'll probably be there for like ten years from now, right? You did you did it for ten years, and like and and you know you had your crew of folks, but really it was it was you. Yeah. Um, cause I know I was, I was there at the last one. I was, I had the, the, the honor of being able to perform at the, the 10th and final, uh, yeah. home wow. skillet festival. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an honor to, to be, and I think it was one of the first times I had actually even, um, did a solo show performing in front yeah. of folks. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. So that was, it was an honor to be a part of that. So, and, and I think just like New Orleans Jazz Festival, um, down in, in Louisiana, I think uh, they have their resident artists that are always there. I yeah. think it's one of those things that you know, uh, Yatsin. You know, you. you hey. I hope you will always be there. Um, I'd love, love to try to be there, show up, or support any way, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is this is one of those things that where that that needs to happen. That just has to happen. Like you, I mean, air jazz, it's like the yeah. community of musicians that are in this region that's needs to be, this, this is the, this is home, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it is, but it's cool. I think Akarok's really going to develop something that's going to put Juno on the map. You know, it fits into like the pieces of making Juno the Northwest native art capital of the world right. is, you know, music's the universal language. And it's a way to do that. And I I think the first one, because of the pandemic, you know, got kind of co-opted and was this hybrid of uh, online. But I I think it's going to be phenomenal, continue to grow. And it's such an amazing thing to sit there and witness. I'm I'm really proud of you, you know, Kachung, for, you know, having that vision and then pulling it off. And I think it's only going to grow and it's going to get cooler and cooler. Well, what a cheese, but you know, it really is. I can't got to give honor to our, our community for just really seeing the vision and, and just making it a reality. It's, 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 are, we wouldn't be able to do it without it. Yeah. Are the dates, are the next dates in line? Oh yeah. So September 21, 22, 23 of 2023. Okay. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which night do you want? <laughs> Man, I'll let, I'll let. I'll let you let you work out. Work out <laughs> well, I'll have uh, to I'll have to connect with your scheduler. So. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta speak to my agent, man. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to talk to your agent. <laughs> well, Nicholas, we know you got a smokehouse to yeah. go attend, man. Thank you yeah. so much for taking this time for helping us open this box of knowledge and sharing. It's it's been an awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. Yeah. Goodness, geez. And all right. Uh, hope, Can't wait to taste that fish. <laughs> yeah, soon. You're, you're going to come over here for these sessions, right? Oh, we all, you know, I'll be there. You know that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to miss all right. that. All right. All right, my friends. Well, be well. Peace. Peace. Peace.
All right. Well, that was our conversation with uh, Nicholas Glannon. Yes, Yatsin. Yes, Yatsin. And uh, just an incredible guy. Really, such a fan of what he's doing. I don't know. You know, it seemed to have an impact on all of us. Of course, you know, Kachung is your close friends, but I've seen even Sam being responsive there behind the the monitor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just thought it was so cool to have Nicholas with us and hearing all of the different artistic avenues that he's explored and kind of when one's not necessarily shining, he finds that another one is. And he just was such a such a fun topic and a, uh, such a fun conversation that we had. So yeah, it was really cool to listen to. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was funny because, you know, we had to end the the conversation so he could go tend his uh, smoke yeah, no, house. Yeah, even a little break within, <laughs> within the episode. He's like, hold on, I got to check out my smokehouse. I mean, the guy's so village. Which it's if awesome. you were in the beginning of when we first got on with on the call with him, he actually did show us a little bit, you know, of, of his smokehouse there right outside his, the doors of his house. And we got a chance to have a little impromptu tour as he started walking upstairs. So seeing all his books and the artwork and the, and the guitars on the wall. I mean, it's, you get a little window into people's lives and he's like a clinket Renaissance man. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I think that's a good, that's, that's a good representation right there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I found myself being really, calm you know at at times i was just listening to him speak and 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 tell his story and i just got into this like mode of like yeah you know i'm listening to some wisdom here and then we'd get into like just laughing and you know (laughs) that's what i love that's what i love about this It, it was great to make all the um connections you know his his father was my clan Mm-hmm. Clan house, so that, that was cool to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think w- what he didn't share was, that, you know, when we're talking about what's happening next, is like going in the studio. That's happening very soon. Like we're literally going into the studio in like a month. So and starting the the next album. Um, so it's just been a it's been an honor to be a honorary member of the yacht scene crew. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of yeah. get the feeling it's not so honorary and you're just a member. I think it's there. I think yeah. I'm actually becoming a more full-fledged member. It's like definitely, definitely feel like part of the family. That's for sure. That's awesome. Well, I just, uh, again, think so thankful for um, this journey we're on. It's been so fun. You know, we're developing a real, uh, I think followers is, is the word. Uh, we definitely have our fans. I, I got to throw a big shout out to Tesla Cox. Mm-hmm. How about her on, on social media blowing up just about every episode we do? And yeah. she's even showing off our, our new swag. Uh, Sam designed some stickers for us. And, you know, if you see our um, logo, we have this really beautiful logo designed by Michiana Hutcherson. And so I think it's going to really do well on, you know, T-shirts and swag oh, and yeah. different things. I can't things. wait to see it all over the place. Yeah. So it was really great to see folks sharing that on social media. And, hey, if you want to blow us up on social media, reach out, tag us, and we'll and then uh, message us your address. We'll send you some stickers because we really do appreciate that. And we appreciate those who continue to, you know, comment directly to yeah, us those comments are are key i think one one thing i'd love to hear is who, who are those folks that people want us to have conversations with so oh, let us know yeah 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 comment on the on the videos or and on the episodes and let us know yeah you know um i would love to hear that too that's a great idea we have some really great um conversations coming up for sure mm-hmm. but you know hey let us know who you would like us to be conversing with because we probably know them yeah and if not i'm not afraid to reach out and say hey you want to do a show and we, we have some really exciting ones coming up here we're doing some cool things uh we're going to be doing something with Perseverance Theater with the new play by the amazing uh, Frank Cash Katas. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we've got some pretty uh, well-known Grammy-winning artists coming home to Alaska, and they're going to be here in Juneau, and yeah. we're going to be recording with them. So 
you know, stay tuned. And Great stuff coming. Oh, yeah. it's fun. It, yeah. I'm having a great time, brother. Having a great time on this journey. Well, it wouldn't you. happen without support. Yeah, and that support's so critical. And again, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, the Alaska Cedar Bucks, who Will and Christy wear there in Petersburg, Alaska, have the most beautiful Native art uh, gift shop that I've seen. They really uplift uh, Native artists and and then they have Ha'ani Adventures, where they really give the indigenous perspective to those visiting Petersburg. And we have our own, I feel like it's our house band, kind of, right? Like, <laughs> I should bring a drum or a guitar. Right. And uh, that's uh, Kachung's group, Banyao, which we uh, really enjoy following them. And, you know, Sam coined it, where in the world is Kachung now? Because touring with Bumiao mm. and just getting all over. So we thank them for their support. Okay. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Sheesh. We